Hi, I'm Erwin McManus. I want to welcome you to the Mosaic Podcast. I want to also bring you into some exciting things that are happening here. If you go to the Mosaic app, you will learn about our conference coming up this year, about MSC's new album and their tour across the country. And you can learn how to connect and be more involved in Mosaic in so many different ways. And by the way, we now have the Mosaic YouTube channel. And you can go access not only these talks, but other fresh and new materials that are being created specifically for that channel. And so if you want to be connected in a richer and fuller way, uh, not only be a part of the podcast, get to the Mosaic app and get to the channel. And we'll see you there. In the morning time, I'm always reminded right before I come up here, don't forget to say hi to the other campuses. So I have to take time and welcome South Pasadena and Venice Beach and Santa Monica and Mexico City and things like that. And so I, I thought, well, what I'm going to do now, since I don't have to welcome all those other campuses, is I'm going to welcome all the campuses that don't exist. Because this is our 25-year anniversary, so we're going to be looking forward, not backwards. So I just want to take a moment. I want to welcome everyone in our campus in, um, in Brooklyn. I want, to thank, I want to welcome everyone in our campus in Paris. Man, au revoir. I want, to, I want to welcome everyone in our campus in Tokyo, one of my favorite campuses. You guys keep crushing it. And... Uh, I, I want to welcome everyone in our campus in Malibu and Newport Beach because you got to have them there too. And we started basically in downtown, so I'm going to welcome everyone in our relaunching of our downtown gathering. Man, just celebrating you guys. Who knows? Our campus in Santiago, Chile, and Buenos Aires, Argentina. We want to welcome you guys. Como están, hermanos y hermanos? Yeah. And I, I, I probably forgot several campuses, but that's just a good start. Because I, I have people ask me all the time, you know, well, when are you going to start a campus in our city? And here's a strange formula. If you want a campus of Mosaic in your city, you're the one in your city. Hmm. And this past week, Emerson and Christina Nowatney, who went to Mexico City and began gathering people just, a couple, just about a month ago, had their first Gathering on Tuesday night had 217 people at their first gathering. Amazing. And they baptized on their opening night and had 23 baptisms. And 17 more people gave their lives to Jesus. So if you want to open a campus, start talking to people, invite people to your house, feed them meals. Begin to cast vision, turn on the podcast, get 200 people together, and email us. <laughs> so it's our 25-year anniversary. And when they said they want to take a few moments and celebrate that, it made me a little nervous. Because, you know, a lot of times when you do things like this, they always want to do the montage. You know, all those photographs and brief clips that remind you of the life you wanted to forget. Remind you of those memories you really were trying to hide. They find the photographs you've hidden away because someone in your family thinks it's funny to find those photographs. And, and, and out of context, it's incredibly humiliating because the fashion is completely whack and, 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 your, and your hairstyles are just, well, they were actually bad choices then, so they're really bad choices now. And one of the things that people tell me so oftentimes, they go, well, you know, it's kind of strange because you're 59, but you kind of like dress like you're 29. But when you're 29, you dress like you were 59. And that's true. When I was 29, I looked like I was 59. And people, what, what, what happened? What, what was the shift? 
Well, let me tell you what happened. See, I, I, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up religious. I didn't grow up with, with any knowledge of Christianity. I, I, I heard the message of Jesus when I was about 20 years old. And, and at first I was resistant, but little by little, I, it just was so compelling. I finally just threw myself in and said, Jesus, I, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. And, and then when I chose to follow him, I began to interact with his people. And so quickly, everybody started telling me what I couldn't do, who I couldn't be, how I couldn't dress, how I couldn't act, and how I should do all those things. And so very quickly, I was a philosophy major, and, and so they told me, get rid of all those books, because if they're not by Jesus, you shouldn't be reading them. And, and of course, Jesus never wrote anything, so that's a problem. And, <laughs> and, they, and they saw my albums, they said, get rid of all your albums, and I did, and I want them back so badly. And they told me, you can't dress like this. You can't, you, you, you can't look like this. You can't talk like this. You can't be like this. And I spent the first 20, well, the, my 20s trying to be what everyone told me I should be. What I should look like if I was going to look like Jesus. And, and the reality was I didn't look more like Jesus. I looked more like everyone else. And, and I was more shaped by what people who believed in Jesus said to me than what God was saying to me about me. And one of the great things about being 59 and not being 29 is that when I was 29, even though everyone saw me as rebellious and countercultural and, and resistant to, to tradition and, and to authority, I actually was doing everything I could to try to be everything everybody told me to be, but it wasn't who I was. So it never felt right. But now that I'm 59 and I'm nearly dead, <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore what anyone else says. And, and one of the reasons we started Mosaic, one of the reasons we created this community is so that there'd be a place where people would not live their lives conforming to the expectations of others, but living in the freedom that Jesus died to give us. And that's where I want to talk to you on this 25-year anniversary. I want you to understand the freedom that you've been given I want to just challenge you to stop giving up your freedom. That whatever you do, don't give up your freedom. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, we are told, You, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free. Let's just pause there just for a moment. See, I, I, I may not know you. I may not know much about your life. I may have no idea where you're going. I may not understand your career or your destiny. But I do know this about you. You are called to be free. See, I don't know where you think you're headed. I don't know what your plans are for the future. And there may be some of you here going, what what is God's desire for my life? What is God's plan for my life? What is God's intention for my life? What's God's destiny for my life? There's some of you here, what is God's will for my life? What is God's calling on my life? And I want you to know that even if you don't know anything else, even if everything else is unclear to you, You are called to be free. So whatever else happens in your life, whatever else comes your way, if you move into slavery, if you find yourself a captive, a prisoner, that's not the future God has for you. God calls you to be free. You were called to be free. I love that. See, some people are afraid to hear God's voice. Some people are a little nervous trusting God with their lives. There may be some of you here, well, why would I want to place my life under God and follow him wherever he calls me to go? It's because where God calls you is your freedom. 
See, God never calls you someplace that makes you a prisoner. God never calls you someplace that makes you smaller. God will never create a future for you that will suffocate you because there's no oxygen in the room. I, I think sometimes because we've experienced religion, we think that God is a warden. Because he places us in prisons and throws away the key and leaves us in a deep darkness. But I want you to know that is not God. He calls you to be free. And then he follows it up by saying, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Now, what I think is really interesting to me is that right after he tells us we're called to be free, he tells us do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. And so what happens so oftentimes is that because he follows it up with a do not, we spend more time focusing on the do not than the do. And so religion becomes about everything you're not supposed to do. Somehow we have confused God as the God who keeps telling us what not to do. And so even though right before that he says, look, this is the center of everything. This is the theme. You're called to be free. So don't use your freedom in the wrong way. We focus on the do nots. But the problem is that if you spend your life focusing on the do nots, you will not have any energy to focus on the do's. And here's the crazy thing. If you actually spend your life focusing on the do's, you'll run out of time for all the do nots. I mean, the best way to take care of all the do nots is just be involved in the do's. But we actually don't trust that people will do the right thing in their freedom. See, only God has this insane notion that he should make you free even though you can make the wrong choices in your freedom. Because he actually trusts that he, when he sets you free, he can teach you how to live free. He said, do not then indulge. Use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. You ever thought about how the fact that all around us, we have all these laws and policies and rules and guidelines, and they're all about controlling our freedom. And I see this in traffic all the time. You ever, you ever driven in the middle of the night somewhere? Like two or three o'clock in the morning. I mean, why are you out that late? But anyway, you ever driven late in the night and you're in the middle of nowhere and you see a green light so you're excited because you can get home and then as you get closer, that green light suddenly turns yellow. And then when you, 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 you speed up, but you can't beat it, and it turns red. Then you have to decide, do I stop? Because you're looking everywhere, you're moving forward. You don't see anyone, but you stop. Because you know the red light means stop. And so you stop and you wait. And the light decides to never change. You ever had that thought? It's, it's broken. It's broke. It turned red, and now it's never turning green again. And you ever, you ever had that moment you start looking around and going, oh, there's nobody here. There's nobody coming. You ever have that moment you're going, how stupid is this that I'm sitting here? Am I this stupid? Have I so submitted to the man that I'm going to sit here and wait? When this is not why these rules were made. Have you, have you ever had that thought? It's not really wrong. Have you ever just sort of slowly put on your gas? And just sort of move slowly through? Because if you do it slowly, it's not illegal. And then you get about halfway out. You go, oh, well, I've already gone too far. So now I have to go all the way across. You've never done that, right? And all you're worried about is, is there a cop? 
You're not worried about whether it was wrong. You're worried about being caught. You know why that law is there? You know why that stupid light turns red in the middle of nowhere? It's because when you're in the middle of somewhere, without that red light, you will do the wrong thing. See, without that red light, when there's cars everywhere, no one stops. Wouldn't it be amazing if, if, if even in L.A. traffic, you're flying down La Brea or crossing across Hollywood Boulevard, if everyone was zooming across with such grace and generosity that it has opened up places for each other. No lights needed. We got this. Even in our neighborhood, we have these two-way stops where no one stops. Four-way stops where everyone stops. Or that slow and go. That happened to me today. I was coming home and, and there was a, a, a four-way stop. And so I stopped and the two cars to my left stopped. So I stopped and because I've been thinking about this all day, just waited in the car, the left went across. So I was so gracious. And while watching him, I started to go across and the other car tried to get across too. I said, whoa. <laughs> so wait your turn. I mean, we had this morning, we're talking about traffic and we're driving to a restaurant and Aaron and I are driving down La Brea and this car just cuts us off. And Aaron honks. I said, buddy, I just talked about not honking and trying to be more gracious. He said, that's Brooke. It's bad when two pastors can't even get along. You know why we have laws? Because... We're concerned about what we'll do with our freedom. There's this organization called the FDA. Why do we need the FDA? Like to protect us from food that would kill us. Isn't that crazy? What a waste of money. It's almost as if farmers or those who raise poultry or or cattle would make cost-cutting decisions that would harm the animals and cause us to get sick. Isn't that crazy to think they would do that? That they would find ways to genetically modify plants and vegetables so they could optimize their profit even at the risk of us getting cancer. Or, or do you know there are bank regulations? Isn't it odd that there's an entire organization that tries to regulate the ethical use of our money as if they would misuse our money? See, every law, all the institutions created by governments or religions are there because they don't trust us with our freedom. You know why? Because we're not trustworthy with our freedom. (laughs) Because we need laws to remind us of how to be better human beings. And I think this is where God is so many times misunderstood. See, I think religion tries to help God with how to work with people. Because Jesus doesn't seem to know how to work with people. He doesn't know how to leverage his power. See, he says, you've been called to be free. What's the only way you can be free? When everything has been given to you without condition. You see, Jesus stepped into human history. God himself. He allowed himself to be crucified on our behalf. He rose from the dead so that we could actually live. And he offers us his love without condition. He offers us a relationship to himself without condition. He says, I will never leave you or abandon you. You will belong to me. And there's no choice you can make that will ever take you outside of my grace or my goodness. 
Doesn't he understand? It doesn't work that way. You got to hold a little leverage. But he doesn't. He says, no, I'm going to give you my love completely, freely, without condition, so that you can be free. I'm going to forgive you so you don't have to live with the shackles of guilt and shame. I'm going to love you so you don't have to live your life trying to earn my acceptance or my love. And so every choice you make will be made in your freedom, not out of your fear. See, one of the things I learned early on is that if you're not careful, you will give up your freedom and live a life of obligation rather than step into your freedom and find your intention. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Because you're free, you have the power to choose what you do with your freedom. In verse 1 of Galatians chapter 5, he says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. You ever read something and you're going, yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> it is for freedom that we've been set free. Well, what else would be, we be set free for? Of course it's for freedom that we're set free. Doesn't, doesn't it seem a little redundant? And yet it's not. Look at us. And you'll know we need to hear this. Because we keep using our freedom to make choices that enslaves us. We keep using our freedom to make choices that makes us prisoners again. We keep making choices that steals from us our freedom. And God is saying, no, I have set you free so you can live in that freedom. You have freedom so you can live free. Stop making choices that steal from yourself your own freedom. (laughs) Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've made choices that have imprisoned you. You made choices in your freedom that have cost you your future. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You walk into the future every day with chains strapped around your legs, pulling you back to the past. And maybe you're even mad at God because you, you, you thought God was going to set you free. But he never said he would set you free from your consequences. He would set you free to make choices that creates a different future. So he tells us, we need to understand that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So now you have a choice to make. Because you're free, the choice is yours. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. That's terrifying to me. You've been set free. So then stand firm and do not let yourself be burdened by the yoke of slavery again, which means even though you're free, you can live like a slave. And you may actually forget that you're free because you've been acting like a slave for so long. And then you may actually become bitter against God because you think he didn't set you free. But he's no, freedom comes with responsibility. Freedom comes with power. And you have to know how to use that power wisely. So do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Going back to verse 14, it says, Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. This is what freedom looks like. Freedom looks like service motivated by love. 
See, I think a lot of us think that freedom looks like indulgence. See, I think most of us have, have bought this lie that when we're free, we get to have everything. We get to have fame and wealth and power. We, we, so we take our freedom and we consume everything we can because we thought that's what it looks like to be free. But all those choices that you thought led to your freedom actually led to your captivity. See, the slave serves because he must, because he's obligated. But when you're free, you might actually think to yourself, when I was a slave, I had to serve. So now that I'm free, I don't ever have to serve again. And then you'll become a prisoner again. You see, what God wants us to do is he wants us to move out of a life where every good thing we do is out of fear. Every good thing we do is no longer out of obligation. See, God doesn't want you to be a slave where you're trying to do the right thing so you can finally be loved by God, finally be accepted by God, finally be accepted by others. God wants you to be free so that now you serve, not for what you'll get out of it, but what you can actually give to it. So you're not a slave anymore, but you're not a fool. So you understand that freedom comes with responsibility. Because when you're free and you're immature, you think freedom is all about what you can get. But when you become mature, you realize freedom is all about what you can give. See, when you're immature, you think freedom is about just consuming everything you can. But you realize when you're immature that freedom is about creating everything you can. See, when you're a slave, when you're immature, you think freedom is all about you. But when you are mature, you know freedom is all about others. And so he tells us, look, You've been given freedom. You've been given the greatest gift in the world. So now serve one another humbly in love. Jesus lived free every moment of his life. But he didn't look like he was free when his feet and hands were nailed to that tree. He looked like a prisoner of his own choices and the choices of others. And yet I want you to know something. In that moment where everyone thought Jesus had been nailed to a cross against his will, and he lost his freedom. That was Jesus' most free moment. Because in that moment, he chose freely to be the sacrifice for our sin. In that moment, Jesus was most free because in that moment, he served us all by love, through love, because of love, so that through his pain, we might find our freedom. So serve one another humbly in love. What would happen if we changed our mind about freedom? See, I, what would happen if you finally realized, oh, God set me free not so I could run wild and destroy my life. But God set me free so I could run, run wild and live life fully. What would happen if, if you let God remove from you all the fear in your life? And now you're just living Free. Now, I know it's a dangerous experiment, but I want you to realize there's nothing you can do to lose God's love for you. I want you to know that there's no choice you will ever make that will cause God to love you more. I want you to live in that grace, in that freedom. We go, I actually get to live my life knowing I belong and I cannot lose that belonging. I want you to live in that freedom completely. No guilt, no shame, no condemnation. You have already been forgiven. You are already his. You are already free. And I want you to live in the extreme 
nature of that freedom. And now I want you to take on the responsibility of that freedom. So okay, I'm going to be free the way the world has never known freedom. So just a couple of practical thoughts. What if we decided we're going to use our freedom to serve the world humbly because of love? Love requires humility. Because you have to love people who haven't really earned your love. I'm just going to, you have to love people that are not lovable. I know this may be surprising to you, but not all people are lovable. Not all people are likable. If you're like, well, I don't know any lovable people, you're one of those people that are not lovable. (laughs) Just letting you know, that's one way you can know. And some of you, you love people, but you love lovable people. And you think that actually works in your favor, but see, the power of humility is to love people who don't believe they're worthy of love. To love people who haven't earned love. To love people who are not lovable yet. But only love will melt the ice of their hearts. And you ever noticed how we're in a world of selfies now? You know what I noticed about selfies? We always want selfies with someone who will make us feel like we're more. Who make us bigger. But we rarely want selfies with someone that we make more. Or we're making them bigger. I think we should start a selfie revolution across LA. Where we find people who just look so unhappy. Look so alone. Who feel invisible. Who don't know they have value. Wouldn't it be amazing if you just go, can I have a selfie with you? Even if they say no, it's okay, I just wanted one, it's okay. <laughs> just go people, can I have a selfie with you? I mean, I did this one time with this couple. I think they were like 90 years old. I saw them in the corner of, of, of Fairfax, I think it was. And third, and, and, I, and they needed a ride, so I helped them out one afternoon. And I said, can I get a selfie with you? They're like, sure. <laughs> we need to start a revolution of selfies that are selfless and not self-servant. It will change the whole texture of our city. And what, what, what would happen if we changed our mind about the way we relate to people? Like when you go to a restaurant, I know you have servers there. But Jesus was always a servant, so shouldn't we? Go in a restaurant when you have a really bad waiter or a really bad waitress because they've had a bad day. Maybe it's a bad life for them. Maybe they never thought they'd be doing this. And they're still trying to recover from the disappointment of their life. And instead of getting upset because the service is so bad, just give them the tip up front. Say, hey, I don't want you to feel like you have to work for what I'm going to give you. So I want to give you this up front and you can decide what kind of service you'll give us. That would just change everything, wouldn't it? And if they give you really bad service... You need to go up to them and go, you know, you've had a really bad day. So I just want to tip you a little bit more because clearly your day is harder than mine. Wouldn't that just change everything? You ever ever get in line at the same time as someone else? And so you do the the shoulder thing. And you move in front of them. You act like you don't see them. You look in the other direction. All right, so now when you do that, what I want you to do is... Go with your instinct and then turn it and go, I want you to go first. They'll be so confused. <laughs> Say, no, really, please go first. And invite them to get in front of you. Wouldn't that just change so many things? You ever, you ever gone to the grocery store and you get behind the person who doesn't seem to be prepared to buy? <laughs> it's amazing to me. 
You've been waiting in line for 20 minutes and wow, you're surprised. You have to find a way to buy your groceries. And there are moments I feel a little impatient, but, but there have been a few moments I've flipped this upside down for myself. I decided to serve the world through love, to use my freedom that way. I remember one time this person was trying to buy their, their, their groceries and they couldn't, the credit card wouldn't work and they couldn't put together enough cash. And so they were there doing the, okay, if I get rid of this and this, I can still afford it. Or if I, if I get rid of this and this, and they're trying to figure it all out. And, and I, I don't know why, but something inspired me. And I said, it's okay. I've got all, I've got it. And they go, what? And I said, I'm going to pay for all your groceries. Just put it on my bill. And the cashier goes, really? And I said, yeah. And, and the person's like, no, no. And I said, no, it's okay. Would you let me do this? It would just give me so much joy to get to buy your groceries today. It was like, can I have your information? No, no. Just one day when you have extra cash, you buy someone else's. And the reaction is amazing. The cashier treats you so differently. I, I, I have some coupons. You know, and, uh, I mean, it's amazing what they will do for you along the way. Because people don't know what to do when you decide to flip the script. And serve the world out of love. <laughs> we, it was a while back, Kim and I were at the store. And uh, we were in one counter, and this elderly couple was in this other counter. And, and they were trying to buy a teapot. And, and, and the little lady, she was so elderly. She was so frail. And she was like, oh, um, how much is the teapot? And the guy said, well, it's this much. And he goes, well, do you have any, other, do you have any discounts? And he goes, No. She goes, well, I just, I I, it's a little pricey for me. And, and he goes, well, if you have our store's card, you can get a discount. She goes, I don't, I, she looked at her purse like she had. She goes, I don't have your store's card. And he goes, well, lady, if you have our store's, store's card, you can have a discount. She goes, well, she starts telling him a story. Well, you know, I, 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 I destroyed my daughter's teapot. I almost burnt the kitchen. I, I need to replace the teapot. Do you have any other discounts? She goes, lady, I told you, if you have our card, you can have the discount. And this person was right behind me. There was nothing between us because I was in this line and he was the cashier for the next line. And so I just tapped him on the shoulder and I said, hey, I'll, I'll buy the, the teapot for her. He goes, what? I said, I'll buy the teapot. He goes, you're not allowed to do that. Because <laughs> you know there are policies against human kindness. <laughs> and, and I said, what? He goes, you're not allowed to do that. And I said, no, no, you don't understand. I'll buy the teapot for her. And I actually tapped Kim and said, do you have any cash? And she gave me her cash. And he goes, and he looks past me and he yells to another employee, hey, he's not allowed to do that, right? He can't just buy the other customer's teapot for them. He must clearly not understand. So I held the money up symbolically. I said, no, I'm going to buy their teapot. He goes, no, you can't do that. So I thought, it's it's logistical. I'm standing in the wrong line. So I, I went around the counter to the other side so I could be his customer. And this elderly couple was so embarrassed, like, no, please don't, please don't. And, and I said, no, no, I, please give me the privilege of buying the teapot. And, and, I, and I looked at the guy, and I held up money, said, and I did it with the loving eyes of Jesus. And, uh, you know, I'm going to buy the teapot. And I tried to communicate, if you argue with me one more time, I'm going to take your head and smash it against the counter. But, and, uh, but that's Jesus in the temple. And it's, you know, it's, it's still Jesus. It's just Jesus at a different moment. And, uh, and he goes, okay. So frustrated. Because there should be policies against kindness, against generosity, against service, against love. Because what are we going to do if the, run runs, the world runs wild with those? 
How are we going to stop that? By the way, in John chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus said this. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's Jesus' drop the mic moment. See, he wants you to know if the Son sets you free, his freedom is different than the freedom the world offers you. Because when things look free, they actually cost you everything. But Jesus gives you a freedom that will set you free. It's freedom indeed. It's freedom beyond your wildest imagination. It is the freedom of your soul to be the person you were created to be. Let me tell you, there's nothing more liberating than not having to worry ever again what other people think about you, but only what God thinks about you. See, there's something liberating when you don't have to live your life under the obligation of other people's expectations. Can you imagine living your life so free? You're no longer bound by guilt or shame or doubt or worry. You don't have to worry about whether you're good enough or, or smart enough or talented enough. You can just live in the freedom that you are created by God and that he will do everything in your life that you ever long to do, that you were created to do. And that's what freedom is like. But what would happen if we stepped out of this place and said, no, we're going to live free by serving others out of love. We're going to turn this planet upside down and show them what it looks like to be free. Not to consume, not to take, not to make life about ourselves, but to live in the freedom of serving others, of living a life of love of placing others above ourselves, of believing Jesus, that the one who serves the most is the most free of all. And there's some of you here right now, you are a prisoner of your own choices. You've created a prison for yourself. And it's killing you. And you don't even remember the first choices you made that ruined your life, that destroyed your future. Some of you are prisoners to bitterness. Some of you are prisoners to unforgiveness. Some of you are prisoners to pain and hurt and wounds. Some of you are, are prisoners to failure. And Jesus wants to set you free. And in this moment, it's time to cross the line of faith. Have you ever wondered why, if God can make you whole, and if God is who you need, that he does not force himself on you? It's because he doesn't treat you like a slave. He doesn't impose his love on you. He offers it to you and allows you to decide freely whether you will choose his freedom. There's some of you right now you need to step out of your bondage, out of your slavery, out of your captivity, and hear his calling. I have called you to be free. And right now, you need to cross the line of faith and give your life to Jesus so that you can leave here in his freedom. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, just a simple prayer, just one sentence. Jesus, I give you my life. It's not everything that you need to say to God. You guys will be in the conversation for the rest of your life, for all of eternity. But here's where it begins. In your freedom right now, freely choose to give him your life. And if you will, he will give you his life. And I'm telling you, you will be exchanging your slavery for his freedom. Just bow your heads with me just for a moment. Right now, 
Just pray this simple prayer. Jesus, I give you my life right now. Just whisper these words to him. Jesus, I give you my life. This is your moment. This is your freedom. This is your day of liberty. Jesus, I give you my life. Just whisper it to him right now. Receive his forgiveness. Receive his freedom. Receive his life. Jesus, I give you my life. If that's your prayer, I want to pray for you. But you're free now. If you prayed that prayer, you are free now. So I want you in that freedom to find the courage and the faith to say, yes, that's me. Right now, I just crossed the line of faith. I just prayed, Jesus, I give you my life and I belong to him. I have that freedom right now. If that's you, I want to pray for you, but I want you to hold your hand up high like a man and a woman who is free right now. I want you to raise your hand right now and say, yes, I just prayed that prayer. I just gave my life to Jesus. If that's you, just hold your hand up high. Beautiful, beautiful. Anyone else right now? Just hold it up high. Wonderful. Anyone else? Wonderful. Anyone else? So good. So good. Father, I pray for these. When this moment of cross line of faith have stepped into your freedom. I pray, God, that you would just wrap them up in your love and let them know that they belong to you, that they now live in the freedom of your love. And God, I just ask that you would just ignite in them a revolution of service through love. That, God, they would just turn the plot upside down and change the human story and become a reflection of your freedom. And I pray, God, that they would never again choose to give up their freedom to live like a slave for they have been set free we pray in Jesus name amen can we just thank God for those who respond to him right now so good it's been a great 25 years but let's make the next 25 better let's let's launch and step into this revolution of freedom that only Jesus can bring let's create a story of serving the world out of love let's confuse everyone and if you're here and you're, you have a hard time talking about God or, or your faith or about Jesus, just serve people insanely. Just love them ridiculously. And watch how they'll come to you. They'll ask you, what's going on? Have you lost your mind? And some of them may go, what in God's name is happening? You'll say, exactly. <laughs> you can say, there's a revolution taking place. It's on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard and La Brea. But it's really about this man named Jesus who taught us how to be free by loving more powerfully than the world can hate. Because on a cross where he looked like he lost, he actually won. And now I know how to be free. Let the revolution begin tonight. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received. Allow it to go deeply into your soul. To allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.